This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'm speaking with Niraj Maharaj, the Program Director for Secure Messaging within the Australian Digital Health Agency. It's a statutory authority in the form of a corporate Commonwealth entity with a vision to create a healthier future for Australians through connected healthcare. Niraj is a passionate digital health innovator, currently focused on enablement and incremental improvements to the digital healthcare system supporting outcomes for Australians. As you all know by now, I'm a flag bearer for co-designing, co-creating and co-launching digital health innovations. And Niraj, in conjunction with his colleagues at the agency, myself and a number of industry peers, have taken that approach to designing, developing and proving the Provider Connect Australia service. You'll hear Niraj's perspective on this and he'll also talk about what Provider Connect Australia is, who is it for and why did we build it? and how that all fits into the strategy for digital health in Australia. Let's jump in. Well, hey there, Niraj. How are you doing today? Very well, thanks, Yanni. How are you? I like to think every day is a good day, and today is no exception. I'm really excited to have you on to have a little bit of a chat about a couple of areas that you're particularly passionate about, and also tell us a little bit about where Australia is going from a digital health standpoint through the Australian Digital Health Agency's eyes. So perhaps just before we get into it, you can share a little bit about who you are, what you're doing at the agency, and then we can sort of get into some of the programs that you've been involved with over recent years. Sure. Thanks, Johnny. So my name is Neeraj Maharaj. I'm the Program Director for Secure Messaging at the agency. So the programs that we've been working at the agency around secure messaging has been really around how we make commonplace use of secure messaging in Australia and making it work. Secure messaging has become a bit of a passion for mine because I've been running the program for the last two years. And I guess what we have done is done a lot of good work with the sector, and I'm really keen to see it through to success. Tell us a little bit about the idea of a program director or program manager. What's your role and how does it fit into the scheme of things at Adhar at the moment? That's a good question. So my role as a program director, particularly in the strategic programs area, is basically in the strategic programs, This what we've got is a number of projects that link directly with a national digital health strategy and things like secure messaging, medicine safety, and so forth. And these are the things that were specifically called out in the strategy that was the key pillars to promoting digital health. The strategy goes till 2022, and obviously this currently we're going through a revision process. My role as a program director is essentially to lead a number of initiatives under the banner of secure messaging, which will specifically look at promoting the outcome that we've established or set forth in the National Digital Health Strategy. So for example, secure messaging is really around achieving that commonplace use in simple terms when where any healthcare provider can send a message safely, securely to another healthcare provider in Australia. So that is sort of laid out, and we'll put some links in the show notes for the Australian Digital Health Agency's strategy over the coming years. And people who are regularly listening to Reimagining Healthcare would hear me talk a lot about secure messaging and interoperability, what was formerly known as Service Registration Assistant. That's been something that you and I have been cooperating with over a period of time, and there's an adaptation now for a service that's being released by the agency called Provider Connect Australia. So tell us about the journey. Perhaps why don't we go back to the origins? What actually led to the program 
to produce what's now known as Provider Connect Australia. What's that journey been like for you, Niraj? So look, Yanni, that, that journey started probably two plus years ago. It started as part of, again, the secure messaging program. Within the program, I guess what we've done is we've been addressing through collaboration with the sector, finding those areas where there are problems, those gaps, those barriers to usage, and looking at resolving them. So where PCA or Provider Connect Australia, originally Service Registration Assistant, came from was this idea of one of the barriers with secure messaging was if we can't find people effectively, if you don't have reliable information to get that addressing, then how can you possibly ever hope to communicate with them? That's the crux of the problem. And so the SRA or the Service Registration Assistant was essentially our attempt at solving that. Specifically, what we did was we started this as a, as an idea, which Kieran Maguire, product manager, came up with, and we developed this as a proof of concept. And the idea was that when we did the research to find out why information across the sector was out of date, made it difficult for people to find and therefore communicate with each other, it was simply because a lot of this data that we rely on, directories, etc., are often out of date or conflicting or have incorrect information. And that's where the service registration assistant came from. It was really about how do we solve that problem. So we did that as a proof of concept to trial that idea. And we did that in collaboration with the sector. We had a number of vendors, including yourselves. We you know, had the Northern New South Wales LHD participate, as well as our PH, the North Coast PHN, which were also a part of the, the project. In short, it was a real major collaboration with government, industry, and, and participants. And what we did was trial this simple idea. Well, wouldn't it be easier to maintain this data if we could put a tool in the hands of practices who ultimately know best about what information about their organization, about the practitioners that work there, about their opening hours and so forth, and then make that as an easy streamlined method to pass that information to, you know, all these directories that, you know, we, in the hope of an interconnected healthcare environment, rely on. Let's talk about that in real world use case type setting. So prior to Provider Connect Australia, typically practices or health providers were using a variety of ways to be able to update the business partners that they typically work with and other organisations within the healthcare sector, which might include payers, private health insurers, directories such as the National Health Service Directory, secure messaging vendors. So a typical situation that most listeners would be familiar with would be recruiting new team members, having team members depart the organisation, perhaps diversifying or adding services that are being offered to the local community, and then having to go through that pain and suffering of then updating everybody around them who that they are typically transacting with or interacting with of the moves, edits or changes that go into it. And a lot of the world prior to PCA, and we've still got a little bit of way to go, would, would involve sort of manual processes or potentially logging into multiple portals in order to update the exact same information. So that is the backdrop of uh, kind of feeling what the pain is like out in the healthcare industry to be able to publish or announce to the connected network that that particular health provider organisation is interacting with the changes that have happened. So with that as a backdrop, could you perhaps go a little bit further in telling us how PCA or Provider Connect Australia is now going to address those pain points and some of those problems? Yes. So Yanni, the intention of Provider Connect Australia is to become that one form. It's the one single source of point of entry of information that will be firstly validated. So it gets around the first problem that you talked about. 
you don't have to duplicate the effort. You don't have to go through, you know, 10, 15, 20 different organizations, different online forms, email methods, because there's various methods to do this as well. And what we also found is that it perpetuates different types of data and the quality of data. The way information is provided to these different channels also affects the quality of it at the end of the day on the other end. So what Provider Connect Australia, basically the vision is simple, is that it'll be the one-stop shop for updating an organization or their practice details across the sector. And when we first started this journey, we're looking at it from a very much a secure messaging lens. So we're thinking, well, how do we keep the secure messaging vendor and and people be able to find that? What became apparent was that because it's a pain point for organizations to keep doing this administratively, this is what creates this barrier, I guess, for information to be updated across all organizations effectively in a timely manner with the same quality and so forth. So from the PCA solution, the PCA solution will connect healthcare organization with all their business partners. We use this term loosely to mean any organization that provides a service back to the practice or that organization and needs to know information about them to effectively do that. So think of things, you know, that perhaps out of the normal range, like where we talk about secure messaging services, we talk about directories, but there's also insurers, you know, booking services, you know, work health insurers, workplace and traffic and so forth, government and private programs, you know, clinical programs and things like that. So it's really meant to try and be this one-stop shop to do that. It's doing it in two ways. It's getting around two specific problems. One is you enter the information once, the information is validated, so it's quality at source. And two, it's providing the same set of information and streaming to all and sundry. So again, you're getting that consistent same set of information and at the same time. So once an update is made, you talked about, for example, a practitioner change, change of number of services that a practice provides, perhaps their opening hours, a lot of practices at the moment, for example, are, you know, advertising or putting COVID clinics in doing weekends and so forth. Wouldn't it be great to be able to update that now and say, I'm now open this from this Saturday, hit save, and that information suddenly makes its way into the sector and is available for consumers to use. Yeah, and the idea is that the information, uh, you have this sort of one-to-many relationship where, as an organisation, you can update the details around your organisation, who's currently working within the organisation, what kind of specialisations and subspecialties they're actually providing or services, whether they're providing services from a number of locations and whether they provide services to a number of locations. And that kind of provides a very rich set of information for all the connected healthcare system around that particular one organization who immediately or practically immediately gets an update. And so the whole system then sort of builds not just quality and reliability and kind of ease of administration, but it starts to cultivate a foundation for higher trust that when business partners, the term that you use or connected organizations around that health provider wanting to get access to that information, that when they get it, they know that that information is about as up-to-date as it possibly could be. And that overcomes some other challenges that the healthcare system has had historically as well, which is overcoming that kind of idea of not knowing when somebody's left an organization or when details have changed and how that leads to problems and lowers the trust factor in the industry as well. Is that something that you've seen through the reaction to PCA now? moving forward as being seen as positive? Oh, look, absolutely. So we've seen the positives we've seen, particularly from the proof of concept and the broader work we've been doing with stakeholders, you know, in terms of talking to different business partners, we've been engaging them, is really the value they see around one is having a trusted source of information and also being able to reduce their cost around managing that. Because what it does, firstly, is it, it reduces the cost and effort on the practice sending that information because it makes it easy, streamlined. It re- reduces the impact on the business partner or someone receiving 
receiving the information because they receive it A, in a timely manner, B, it's a trusted source as you've identified. And also it means that they can start thinking about reducing some of the costs that they spend on keeping data up to date. And often these organizations do call outs, they do data washing against you know, third-party systems and try to do data matching and so forth. So what the PCA are really doing is, it's in my view, it's kind of going to start washing the data about these organizations in the sector. It won't happen in day one, but that's what's going to happen as more and more organizations come on board, use the PCA to push this out. So what we're seeing is sort of, let's say, perhaps inaccurate or dirty data that's out there over time, particularly around the organization information, it'll get washed up. And I think the other point that I'd like to make is that PCA is the one source of truth around which practitioners working where, that composition of that organization and practitioner, which we, we don't have anywhere else. So we have source of truth around, for example, what Australian Business Register is, which is by businesses. We have information about who are registered practitioners, like APRA has that, but we don't have this composition of, well, which of those people are working where right now and providing what services? There's administrative efficiency, there's the ability to free up a lot of time and effort and manual processes that otherwise exist inside a health provider organisation and actually dealing with letting the rest of the world know when there have been those changes. When you're sort of looking at it at the beginning, you mentioned that it was about secure messaging initially and supporting the interoperability. What were some of the observed problems at that point in time around secure messaging that you felt that the Provider Connect Australia service would actually address? Good question, Yanni. So look, the way we observed this problem or where it started, I guess, was that if you look at it in a very simplistic context, healthcare providers often have to find someone they want to send information to. So if you're doing a referral, while you might have referred previously, but often in many cases, they're referring to a, a another provider specialist for the benefit of the patient, of course, and they might not know a person or a provider that exists there. What they often re- then resolve to is in order to find that, they'll need to look up directory. So often they do a Google search, they look up you know, directories like the NHSD and so forth. And what we find is that there's a myriad of directories out there. There's specifically specialist directories, there's service directories like the NHSD, there's uh, clinical pathway directory services and secure messaging directories as well. So it's up to then the user to try and work out what's right. You know, Which one is the right information? Am I picking that? Is that actually correct? Does that person actually work there? This is the quandary that we had. Without solving this particular problem, it's going to make it very difficult to make secure messaging work in a way that we want it to work. So what the PCA does is it does two things. One, it is basically improving the quality so that we have information that's reliable across the sector, particularly the information that is used by practitioners when they're searching to do a, a send a message. Secondly, the PCA injects a number of key identifiers across all of these so that you can then cross match essentially or link in a manner of speaking. So for example, the PCA includes the health HBIIs for practitioners and HBIOs. It includes Medicare provider number, but it also issues specific identifiers internally as well to support practitioner role, i.e. the role of the person in that organization. What it allows them to do is basically the view is that when systems do searching in the future, when they're searching for something like the NHSD to look for a podiatry service for their patient, they're able to then match that using those identifiers to a secure messaging service and pick up their secure messaging details to send that electronic referral. Yeah, so that is a somewhat understated part of PCA going forward. I know it was quite prominent in the beginning when we first met and discussed the co-design and co-create phase, which I'd love you to talk about in a moment. But I think it's really key to understand that with digital health, we're really trying to enhance the relationship between the healthcare system, healthcare providers and patients slash clients. 
except now that the real world isn't the only space in which we interact with healthcare. And the digital world is rapidly becoming an augmentation or an enhancement for how the relationship works between all stakeholders in the healthcare system. And so to be able to have the right identifiers and a high trust environment, dealing with security, with privacy, dealing with meaningful use and continuity of care, there's a lot of elements to this that this service, this idea of Provider Connect Australia is somewhat understated, I think, in the whole digital health idea at the moment. I think secure messaging is absolutely key going forward because we get that communication going between points of care and we do it in a private, secure and seamless way. But in order to have a high trust, high quality and reliable experience, we need to deal with some of the vulnerabilities that the traditional secure messaging sector has had. Hence, PCA enters the world and we're currently at a point where that's starting to emerge in a a productized service. So tell us a little bit more about the ethos of co-design and co-create that the Australian Digital Health Agency seems to be doing really well. Probably one of the best examples that I've seen in my career within the health tech sector of a government organisation that announces that it does it and actually does it. Tell us a little bit about the journey to co-design and co-create with some of the industry participants, including Core Plus. Look, that, that, that's very high praise, Ernie, so I'll take it. Thank you very much. For us, one of the key elements of this was to make this successful is because there was a new idea. While it's an old problem, it's not a sexy problem per se, it's a problem that we need to solve. And, and as you said, this is a very foundational element that we need to get right. It's a springboard for so many things that we need to do. Like we talk about interoperability, we talk about a trusted healthcare system, you know, the interconnectedness, and again, for the whole benefit of patient and, and movement. We started this with a, a broad concept, and, and I think we were very clear that we needed to make sure we had all the right people around the table to genuinely participate, to co-create and collaborate to design this and get it right. As I said, we did this as a proof of concept, so we thought, well, you know, let's get a bunch of clinical information systems, which included Core Plus. We had secure messaging vendors and other business partners that were, you know, to receive information from the proof of concept solution. And I guess the idea here was that we worked together as a whole to design the solution, to work through what the data model is, agree all those things. So, you know, the key participants we had was like directly with the NHSD. We had secure messaging providers being Telstra and Global. We had Core Plus as a clinical information system. We had best practice the clinical information system. And we also then deployed this to see user reaction within a community. We had about 50 plus organizations using this in the northern New South Wales region. We also had New South Wales from the local health district participate as well with support from the PHNs on the ground. So it really was a very much a joint effort. We could have designed this on our own and hope it was right. But I think the reality is by doing that process, we really learned a significant amount and we got a lot of the design right through that process. And we got some further learnings by doing it as a proof of concept where that worked for you know users. We had a user reference group that we used to help design you know screens and so forth as well. So I guess the main point I've got is that there's a lot of learnings that we've got. We don't have all the knowledge. And by bringing all the parties on board, everyone had a part to play. And that made a solution that was far greater than any one of us individually. Well, firstly, I guess just to enhance that view for, I guess, the listeners and the viewers, the type of stakeholders that were involved in the co-design, co-create process represented what the real world would look like once we got past the proof of concept stage. So we had the GP cohort represented via the best practice clinical information system. We had allied healthcare represented via the Core Plus clinical information system. We had two prominent secure messaging vendors that dealt with the way that secure messaging has been done traditionally and kind of looking at how that would work more broadly across the entire system of healthcare. The primary health network representing that jurisdiction and region. 
and really getting down into the reality of day-to-day lives of health professionals and the practices they work within the directories and you know making sure that we're able to get updates going into the directory that could then serve to populate the secure messaging directories and keep it all on point yeah Yeah, which is basically to have that one-to-many propagation of the information and get valuable use out in the real world so it's really a remarkable story to be able to showcase i guess what happens when organizations government system vendors practitioners health providers etc cooperate around trying to address a problem and doing that in a way where i think we've reduced what any one organization's timeline would typically be if you try to do something like this on your own it would take a lot longer and it would be a lot more expensive to actually try and achieve you know the outcome that we've been able to achieve and so you know we're we're sort of there within three years i think it's sort of sort of two years through most of the ba and planning stage and going into poc or proof of concept and now it's been approved to actually go out as a live service into full production is that that that's the most up-to-date position isn't it that's exactly right yanni i mean i guess the the key thing is that not only would it take longer and cost more money but i guess more importantly we wouldn't have our and our hand on our heart and say that we had a fit for purpose solution and that's one of the things that by doing something like this really gives you that um, advantage. The other group that I missed before is we also have a jurisdictional working group that represents jurisdiction. So we also had them as part of a working group where they reviewed specifications, requirements that were coming out of our various meetings with our collaboration team. And I guess, look, the the reality is that by doing this kind of approach and, and a genuine partnership between public, private, clinicians and so forth, is you have genuine solutions that, you know, hopefully meet real needs and you can test it out, which I think is really, really important. As I said, we've learned a lot from the proof of concept and that's really helped shape up what the future solution, the PCA now will do. Things that were good, we're obviously replicating. Things that we found and discovered through, again, you know, working through and reviewing, evaluating the proof of concept. We had an external evaluator do that. Gave us a lot of good data around, you know, where we needed to put more effort, I suppose, to get things right, to build on the successes we had, but also, you know, the areas where we could make further improvements. Fantastic. So I'm very much a strong advocate for co-design, co-create. I think it's a very efficient and effective way to actually address the reality of the needs of your target users and making sure that they're actually having their goals achieved or problems solved in the process. That's a real credit to everybody who was concerned with the project. And so, you know, moving forward, you've got the 2022 agenda now to take Provider Connect Australia and put it into real world production. What are you hoping to achieve over the next year or or several years from this point forward? So where we're at right now is obviously, as you know, the business case was approved earlier this year in February. And so we've got the mandate to build this. And the business case was approved really on the foundations of the findings and the evaluation of the proof of concept. It's credit to all the partners we had that made that actually happen. So where we're at now right now is we're on the development trail of the PCA solution. So we're, we're well and truly into it. We're looking at having that completed towards the end of this year, early next year with a launch in early 2022. My vision for this is that basically by this time next year, we've got a really, really high percentage of practices across Australia and healthcare organizations, probably a better term, across Australia using the PCA. The good thing we have is we have a problem where people are asking when it's coming. That's a great problem to have. And there's certainly a a bit of um, interest and, and starting to get a bit of groundswell around getting people involved. So we've done a number of webinars to date, and we continue to do work with the business partners to try and get more and more business partners engaged and ready to go when we turn this thing on. One of the lessons we learned, I guess, from the proof of concept was that the value for that practitioner or that organization to come in and publish the information really relies on how many people they can 
send that information to. And obviously that'll grow over time, but we're really doing a lot of work to make sure we start that value proposition from the word go. Let's talk a little bit about that. So the customer experience for the relative stakeholders, talk us through it. You know, so let's put, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a practice owner or a health provider manager. What ideally will they be introduced to and how will they be able to interact with it? And you know, what experience will be made available to them? Okay, the good, good question. Look, so when we launched the Provider Connect Australia solution, there'll be two ways a person can enter their information. So firstly, they'll have to register to use it. It's available as a web-based service, but it also supports integration via clinical information systems. So if you have a clinical information system that's integrated using our APIs that are Firebase APIs, then they're able to directly interact with it that way as well. If we just use a typical example where initially they're using a portal, they'll essentially come to an address, you know, for PCA. And the first step they'll need to do is register to use the solution. And that's simply accepting the terms and conditions to use the solution. And once that's done, the next step really is to set up their organization. What they're really doing is mirroring what the organization is. So they'll enter the ABN. We go and fetch those details from the Australian Business Register. Anything that's fetched from an external source as a system of record is not editable in, in our system because that's the system of record. So they'll add, as I said, the business details. They'll enter the address information where they operate. We validate the address information. They'll enter the healthcare services, which are effectively the practices information. We also talk to the HI service if they've made us a CSP which basically means we're able to look up and validate healthcare identifiers on their behalf. So we'll validate their HBIO, we'll retrieve any information in the health identifier service pertaining to the organization and bring that back as well, and then allow the user to basically do a search for practitioners, which is sort of kind of the last step. So that's where they will go one by one, add the practitioners in, do a search. That search will do a real-time search against APRA data, enable them to find that practitioner, select it, and bring those details into PCA. The last step, once they've done that, and it's obviously entering some contact information as well as the opening hours that the organization provides. So that's kind of the main crux of the details that PCA essentially has. The last step is basically to go and select the business partners. So the business partners are those will be those organizations that we talked about before, which are connected to the PCA. Once you connect to the PCA, whether you sign up as a business partner, you'll be listed in, in the PCA and that'll allow organizations to you know, search and they can search up for, say, the NHSD or the secure messaging provider and so forth. And they'll be able to just simply nominate to share the information. Once they've done that, PCA handles the rest. It notifies those organizations that the information has been updated and they don't need to come back to PC until such time when some data has changed. And predominantly what we're finding on average is the biggest change that happens in organizations after the initial, obviously, registration will be practitioner changes, sometimes changes in address and opening hours, and sometimes services as well, where they might you know, bring on a clutch that provides additional specialties or services that are not currently offered. Working through some of the elements of that, there's some validation that goes on as well. You've already touched on a little bit as far as records or source data that's coming into it. But typically when a health provider is registering for the first time, they're going to be able to use their PRODA credentials to be able to set this yeah. up? Yes, because of this, again, used across the sector, what we tried to do, and I think that was a really key design principle when we worked together with the design team with the sector when we were collaborating, was that let's reuse as much as we can so that we're not yet adding another authentication, adding yet something else that you know people need to deal with. Let's use the systems of records that exist out there. So yes, you're right, we're using Proda to authenticate. So what we anticipate is that largely the main user for the PCA will be an administrative type sort of staff, like a practice manager, etc., within the organization. They often handle all of these things and do updates You know, whenever these changes occur. That's certainly what our research found as well when we researched this problem space. 
And so they will basically, you know, use their Proto account to authenticate to the PCA, be able to do the pre-registration. They'll pass their registration details to someone within the organization that can sign it because due to the Health Identifier Act requirements, we need to make sure the terms and conditions are effectively a bona fide agreement, which means it needs to be signed off by an authorized person for that organization. But once that's done, as I said, it's the rest of it is really around adding the data to your point. We literally have very minimum information that you can add in that is not validated. So again, a really major key principle is we're really trying to solve a quality problem here. So we can't perpetuate that by allowing more problems coming in. So Medicare provider numbers, healthcare identifiers, addresses, Australian business register details, practitioner information, all of that is validated and they're core coming from different systems of record. So what we're doing essentially is creating this kind of composite omelette made of the best ingredients to come up with that golden record. Which also goes towards having that kind of quality data set, but also it makes it easier for the customer experience because, you know, you'd put in an ARPA registration ID and it goes off to ARPA and validates that that's the correct registration ID. And so tick goes off to Australia Post to validate that the address details have been spelt correctly and they are actually a legitimate address in the system. Same with the ABN. So all it really is, is basically just compiling established quality information, but putting it into a repository that that then be used by the business partners that are subscribing or or receiving the updates that you're sending out. It's important to make that point that it's not a massive effort to get on board with it. It's basically just a registration process and getting the organization accepting of the terms and conditions and then sort of doing that verification and validation of what the composite profile is for that organization and then approving who you want to have access to it. So do you want to talk us through those approvals and consents? Because I think that some organizations may have a sensitivity around that. Others might see an immediate opportunity, which I'll come back to in a moment. But what can I do once I've registered? What can I allow or disallow or open up or hide in terms of what information I want to be published out to the connected network around me? So what we've done is we've kept it very simple because, again, the whole idea for PCA was not to be a very complex solution, but to solve a basic problem with a basic solution in a matter of speaking. So what we've done is with the sharing component that that you're referring to, whenever a business partner, so a person who receives information, signs up, what they do is they provide what's called an information use statement. And the information use statement is pretty much like a collection notice, for lack of a better word, which tells the publishing organization, the person sharing their information, this is how we'll use your data that you've shared with us. So we'll you know, list it in our directory or we'll do this with it or whatever. And again, it's no different to what happens in a manual setting where that information is currently shared. So what, what a person does is typically a practice would sign up for the first time, as you said, they'll set up their details. And then what they'll do then is basically go to find those organizations as business partners that they typically do business with. They, In most cases, they'll already have a relationship, but we anticipate PCA will also add new relationships. So I might already have a relationship with my secure messaging provider. I might already be currently using or, you know, a booking service. So I'll go and find those in as a business partner. You'll have a search in the PCA that'll enable that to happen easily. And then you can do search, you know, by means of service types, you know, as in what type of service your business partner provides or locality. Some business partners only provide services in a state. A PHN could be a business partner, but they only provide within those postcodes where their catchment is, so to speak. All the publishing officer a person needs to do is really just select the business partners they want to share with, accept the information use statement, and then hit save. Once they've done that, that information is made available. The information is made available to that business partner. The business partner can come in via the interface and retrieve that information. So, so there's nothing further that the publishing organization needs to do. I'd also make two more points. One is that unless the publishing organization changes that, 
in the future, whenever they make any updates, all the people they've pre-selected get immediately notified of any change. And then they can get access to this new practitioner or this opening hours of change and so forth. To provide for organizations and give organizations control, while they can publish at a healthcare service level, so publish the healthcare service and all practitioners that work there, they can also do it down to even a practitioner level. So what that basically means, and because we know, for example, you might have a specialty directory that's for podiatry only, for example. And I've got a bunch of clinicians who are both podiatrists and non-podiatrists. And obviously only the podiatrists want to be listed there. So it allows that sub-selection as well. It gives the organization total control about what's published. In terms of what actually information model, there's only one difference in terms of what information goes out in terms of information set, so to speak. Either you meet the requirements of the Health Identifiers Act and you can deal with Health Identifiers because you meet those specific requirements, then you you get the HPIIs and the HPIOs. Alternatively, if you don't, for example, you might be an insurance company that doesn't really do anything in that health space and therefore don't, doesn't meet requirements under the legislation, you'll get everything bar the HPIIs and HPIOs. And that's fantastic. So hopefully that's really getting through to people just how powerful the idea of that one-to-many update value proposition is where you're starting from a baseline of knowing who are the organizations that you're currently interacting with and who you want to know when there are moves, edits or changes to coin a bit of an IT jargon within your organization that gets propagated once and it goes out to many and you've already approved who gets those updates. And so as time goes on, there may be new organizations that you want to partner with, for lack of a better term, and so you can find them and then provide consent for the information to be published off to them as well. And so over time, your administrative burden is just coming down by a factor, you know, simple maths. If you've got 15 organizations that you regularly deal with, you make one change and publish to 15 organizations, that saves you 14 different separate occasions where you have to make the same update and change. And that'll get more complex as time goes on and as your organization grows. And that's the same benefit also from the receiver side, because then they've got information, particularly where people will over time directly integrate, where their databases can be immediately updated, doesn't require manual handling, doesn't require some intermediary process. So this lends itself to numerous use cases. But one of the ones that I just wanted to highlight, particularly was that while it saves the publishing organization time in terms of doing that, One of the things that we found as part of the proof of concept is that a lot of organizations get correspondence in error because the details people are using is incorrect. And so in the proof of concept, what we found is that, you know, discharge summaries, for example, and other correspondence was often sent to a practice where a practitioner had moved on, but the practitioner was still listed as being there from a directory which someone had used to correspond to. So what that meant was that these practices were, who are, you know, quite diligent, they'd log this information. They knew that their practitioner had moved on to so another practice. They try and contact them. They then fax the discharge summary or whatever correspondent over and things like that. So they were spending inordinate amount of time to basically redirect information that was incorrectly sent to them. And often these things were not only is it obviously administrative overhead, but this affects things like continuity of care because the patient information isn't with their appropriate clinician. There's also the privacy element because information is being seen by a practice, another organization that shouldn't have it. From what we see, this has numerous benefits because it impacts so many different use cases. I mean, as simple use cases, I'm an organization, I want to make sure my insurance appropriately covers me. Well, that's impacted by making sure that my insurer knows all the practitioners that are working with at my practice at any point in time. So, you know, while my, maybe it's not a the most critical of use cases per se, but well, I'm saying these are the kinds of things that we'll see the Provider Connect um, Australia solution, you know, realize. Yeah, I think all mature business owners or business operators know that, you know, red tape and admin can be death by a thousand paper cuts. It's all those little gains that something like Provider Connect Australia is going to accrue 
over an extended period of time through that one-to-many idea and, and the efficiency, that foundational piece of data that can be shared with a lot of organisations. So there's a few impacts, I guess we've already touched on a few, but you're making sure that you're not missing updates and the world around you that you're interacting with regularly is not missing any updates. You're overcoming some of the errors and omissions that can occur, which could cause risk for you as a, as a health provider organisation. You've already touched on some of the barriers to usability within the secure messaging framework, and that could be really beneficial in so many different ways. For example, the increasing cost of client acquisition in the healthcare sector, because the system if it's not interoperating fluidly and efficiently, it tends to leave patients out there on their own on the other side of a browser trying to find out what the next point of care is. And, you know, the only way really to get in front of them at the right time, right place is to spend money through advertising and digital marketing and other kinds of digital inbound marketing approaches in order to get that person to the right place at the right time. So having a healthcare system that is able to find and trust the information that there is a service provider just down the road or just up the road who has the areas of specialization that we're looking for and covers who we need in order to hand over. That's a really important value proposition, I think, that comes out of that. And I know that cooperates with secure messaging to an extent. But another area there as well is overcoming barriers to new programs. The government and various jurisdictions open up new programs from time to time. And if they're not aware or don't have the most up-to-date information on the health provider community in those areas, you're not going to be contacted. So this is another way of actually keeping yourself up-to-date and relevant to be able to participate in those programs dynamically and as needed. What are your thoughts on that particular point? Is, Is that something that I think you know, doesn't come up much when we talk about Provider Connect Australia, but I think that kind of lowering the cost of healthcare and, and kind of getting the system to cooperate more fluidly and efficiently, both in cost and timeliness, is a really important part of this program, I think. Oh, look, that's a, a key element of what we want to achieve for PCA. And, you know, you probably noted before we've talked about how we want to, we've been talking to Service Australia, you know, to ensure that the whole Medicare side of things and processes will be connected via PCA. Because it wouldn't be great if we had a vision in the future where PCA is this sort of single on-ramp for organizations to not only register for programs, you know, for example, registering when a new clinician is starting in Medicare via PCA, but also obviously keeping the details up to date. And to your point about government programs, we're seeing more and more government programs being launched where they actually require this data. So what we're actually seeing is that rather than this problem going away, it's actually getting worse because yet another program gets launched and they want the same information about, well, what's your practice? who works there, what specialties do you do, and so forth. You might have heard of, there's a program that I think currently we're working with, with the department, sorry, with Service Australia, rather, called the MyGP program. And again, that's something that, you know, we're hoping to streamline that process for them through PCA. So I think a big part of what PCA offers is obviously not only about putting the control back into organizations' hands about the data about them that's out there in the sector for those very reasons that you mentioned for discoverability, whether it's for a referral or myself as a consumer feeling like I need to go and see a physio so I look up a directory. Well, that information I'm looking up in a directory comes from somewhere. And, you know, the reliability of that is questionable at the moment. So a lot of that is what the PCA will solve, but certainly also government programs is a big part. So that's one of the reasons why we're doing a lot of work with jurisdictions to ensure that they see a point for them in the PCA, both as a a potential receiver of information, a business partner, particularly where they're trying to have very much a lot of some of these directed programs that they're running for continuity of care and, and other programs like that, but also having a conduit for jurisdictions to easily provide information about the services they provide for inbound referrals. I guess one last area to cover off would be the future. Tell us a little bit about how you foresee things unfolding over the next three to five years. And is there any kind of, you know, sneak peek of something that might be around the corner that's coming up from Adhar's point of view that you're involved with? 
I think for me, the, the key two focus that I've got that I can talk about in the future would be obviously I'm really keen to see the PCA, you know, push forward with leaps and bounds. So we're really excited. That's one of my passions at the moment. We've been working on it for the last few years, as you know, very much looking forward to seeing that rolled out and succeed. We see this as the first step and, and hopefully we'll see it evolve potentially to more, something bigger in the future. So I think there's opportunities there. The other piece of work that we're doing in the program that's exciting is looking at e-requesting or electronic requesting, which is specifically looking at, you know, very similar to what was done for medicines prescribing, electronic prescribing. Over the last two years, the agency was involved and did work with the department on doing that. We're looking at basically what that might work and how that might look like for diagnostics. So that's going to be quite exciting. That piece of work is looking at really trying to design what that might look like as a national capability. It might also, it's expected to also follow a co-design sort of approach with collaboration with the sector. It is led by the department, but we're working very closely with the department to do that. So that's currently, you know, something that we're shaping up in this financial year. Thanks, Niraj. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule at the moment and coming in to talk about the Provider Connect Australia, where it's at. Congratulations on the program being approved going forward. I was quietly confident that it would be on the back of the experience that we went through together and, and the POC. But as always, there's there's always a little bit of risk that sometimes the program doesn't get Absolutely. approved. So it's great that it did get approved. And I think it's another really important cornerstone in the digital health foundation that's needed to unlock a lot of emerging opportunities for digital health innovation in this country. So I really appreciate you taking the time and thanks thanks once again, Niraj. Well, look, thank you very much, Joe. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. My pleasure as well. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos. And I'll speak to you in our next episode.